Hello, and thank you for joining us for another Clarkson Wright and Jake's podcast. Today I'm joined by Faye Shortall, who is a solicitor in our employment department, and I'll be asking Faye for her thoughts on managing disciplinaries. So managing disciplinaries probably features fairly highly up in the responsibilities that managers feel most uncomfortable with. So whilst ACAS provides some simple guidance on how to conduct disciplinary procedures, there are still a number of issues that can complicate the process. So let's start. Um, Faye, before we start looking at some of the more complex issues, let's start by asking, why is it important to follow a disciplinary process? Hey, hi, Chris. Um, thank you for that introduction. Um, so firstly, anybody who's been employed for two years or more has the right to bring a claim for unfair dismissal. Um, most disputes concerning how an employer has conducted a disciplinary process actually arise in unfair dismissal claims. So that's why it's important that an employer is familiar with the process on how to dismiss fairly and that they comply with the ACAS code. Um, if a former employee is successful in an unfair dismissal claim, then the tribunal could actually increase any award of compensation by up to 25%. Um, so lots of things can happen within a disciplinary process. Let's start looking at one of those. What happens if an employee goes off sick during the process? So if it's a case of short-term absence and it's not related to the actual disciplinary proceedings, it's a simple case of initial meetings that have been arranged should simply be rescheduled until the employee's better. Um, quite often, though, and this is a common problem for employers, an employee might phone in sick after being asked to attend a disciplinary hearing. Um, sometimes they cite stress and anxiety as the cause for their sickness. But what an employer should do is consider whether stress or anxiety or even depression might have caused or contributed to the misconduct. Um, if it has, then suspending the proceedings might be necessary. If the employee continues to be off sick, then what an employer should do is consider referring them to occupational health and to see when they will be well enough to attend a meeting. Sometimes disciplinary allegations have caused an employee's sickness, so it might actually be in the employee's best interests for the disciplinary process to be continued. If no further delay can be justified, then an employer will need to consider if there are any alternative ways to proceed with the hearing. This could be conducting it by telephone or at a neutral place or location near the employee's home address or inviting them to submit written submissions. We would always suggest as well that an employer might want to agree to the employee bringing a family member or a friend as their companion rather than the normal colleague or trade union representative. Um, this could be considered a reasonable adjustment um, for the disciplinary hearing. But ultimately, um, unless alternative arrangements can be made, then the disciplinary hearing might need to be held in the employee's absence. It's worth considering that actually it's not only the employee that's affected by the disciplinary hearing and other people might need to be involved. Um, what the employer should do in these circumstances is keep a detailed paper trail to document its attempts to rearrange the hearing and secure the employee's attendance. And it's also worth remembering that the employee will still be able to appeal the decision. All right, thank you. Um, let's complicate things a little. Um, here's a scenario. So what if the allegations against someone or a group involve a criminal matter? Um, what do you think are the obligations on the employer? Yes, yeah, so where allegations involve a criminal matter, it's worth 
remembering that something related to off-duty conduct isn't necessarily a reason for disciplinary action in itself, um, in particular if the matter has no bearing on the employee's suitability for the job or their relationship with their colleagues, the employer or their customers. So what an employer shouldn't do is just immediately start a disciplinary investigation What they should do where the matter does have a bearing on employment is consider whether they want to start questioning the employee as part of an investigation. What happens here sometimes, however, is that the employee might refuse to respond to questions. This is often on legal advice on the basis that they might say something that could prejudice a pending police interview or trial. What the employer should do in these circumstances is give the employee an opportunity to make a voluntary statement they shouldn't interrogate the employee or seek to pressurise them. Where a statement can't be obtained, it will likely be appropriate to adjourn the disciplinary investigation whilst the investigation by the police is continued. Sometimes an employee could obtain an injunction to halt disciplinary proceedings, but this is rare and it's generally confined to cases in the public sector. All right, thank you. Um, So we have previously recorded a podcast on managing grievances, but in the context of disciplinaries, what should happen if an employee raises a grievance during a disciplinary process? Yeah, so again, this is something that happens quite regularly and it's also something that needs to be assessed on a case-by-case basis. It could be difficult to resolve a grievance at the same time as concluding disciplinary proceedings. And in addition, an employee might argue that that a dismissal whilst a grievance is ongoing is procedurally unfair. That being said, an employer is unlikely to want to postpone disciplinary proceedings indefinitely until the employee is satisfied that their grievance has been dealt with. This is a particular issue if the grievance is protracted and involves numerous employees. Um, Unfortunately, ACAS provides little guidance on how to actually deal with overlapping disciplinary and grievance matters. It does, however, give the example of an employee who raises a grievance during a disciplinary process, stating that the process might be temporarily suspended to deal with the grievance. And it does also state that where the disciplinary and grievance issues are related, it might be appropriate to deal with them concurrently. So essentially, like I said, it's kind of to be assessed on a case by case basis. Some examples of circumstances where it might be appropriate to consider suspending the disciplinary procedure to deal with the grievance include where there's possible discrimination or bias or a conflict of interest in the conduct of the disciplinary is alleged. There isn't any guidance regarding how long it might be appropriate to suspend proceedings for, and it might not necessarily be appropriate to suspend in all cases. Sometimes if an employee submits a grievance after they've received a disciplinary outcome, it might be that their grievance is in fact an appeal against the sanction that's been imposed. So In these circumstances, it is possible to deal with the matter as part of the appeal process. Employers shouldn't rush to dismiss an employee where grievance issues are outstanding. They should be sensitive to the issues raised in the grievance and generally have gone some way toward dealing with the grievance before contemplating dismissal. Well, thank you. Um, So last question. Right at the beginning, um, you said that an employee who has been employed for two years or more has the right to bring a claim for unfair dismissal. But do employers need to follow a process if the employee has not been continuously employed for two years? So whilst the employee with less than two years service doesn't have grounds to pursue a claim for unfair dismissal, it is always advisable to follow a process, especially if dismissal is a potential outcome. 
Again, it does very much depend on the circumstances as well as the company's own policies and procedures. It's always advisable to seek advice ahead of dismissing as the employee could have other protections such as those under the Equality Act. And in addition, some dismissals are deemed to be automatically unfair. And in these circumstances, two years service is not required. Okay, thank you. Um, Let's leave it there for today. Um, I'm sure most people will agree a very interesting topic that has some pretty serious implications in our workplace. Um, Whilst following a process is important to ensure fairness and compliance with legislation, it's also important to remember and recognise that these processes aren't always that straightforward. Um, Where disciplinary processes become more complex, it's important and advisable for managers to seek advice and support from their HR department or even external legal counsel. So that's it from us. On behalf of myself and Faye, we hope you found this podcast helpful. Uh, As we always mention in our podcast, we aim to give general information on important topics facing UK businesses. For more complex issues and where they arise, we would always suggest seeking specialist legal advice. Um, If you haven't already done so, you can listen to our other podcasts, including the one I mentioned before about grievances, by heading over to our website. Um, There's a number of different topics that you can listen to. So as I said, that's it from us. Until our next recording, thanks for listening.